Welcome to Recharge the Soul Show, a place where we aspire to take our tips and tools we teach in our mind, body, and soul recharging women's retreats and put them in this here podcast. You're wanting to up-level, uplift, and shift into a constant flow state of joy, then you came to the right space. And we are your hosts. She's my daughter, Bailey. And she's my mom, Ann, aka the Shaman Mom. We could not be more grateful to have you here with us. And we hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. I am so excited, especially excited for this really amazing um, podcast that we're going to share. And I'm here, of course, with my partner in Recharge, my beautiful daughter and amazing host. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another listen. Glad you're here. Today is a really a special, we have a very special guest on today and I'll let my mom introduce him. Yeah, I'm so excited about, we Bailey and I just had a pretty big retreat in Mount Shasta and we just got back and before we took off, we had landed in Sacramento and I'd been talking with my brother um, who I haven't seen since my father's funeral, which I believe was like in 2012. Michael, you'll have to correct me if that's wrong, but I think it was in 2012. And so I haven't seen him for over 10 years. And, you know, we want to talk a lot about, um, about generational healing and what happens when there's chaos in a family, when you're raised, when uh, people who just, who are hurting, they hurt their children and they just they don't necessarily mean to do it, but they just don't have any tools. And my brother and I, we, we got to meet. We got to have dinner together in Sacramento at Piotti's with his wife and Bailey. Bailey said she wanted to come. So she got to be there and like witness healing and process. Cause I was, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what it was going to be like. And I'm sure Michael felt he'll have to speak for himself, but I'm sure he was probably feeling the same way. And then we, we got, but I knew that I loved him. And I know that when you're coming from a place of love, that, that nothing can, nothing bad can come out of that. So I, and I, and I felt his energy before we were even meeting together. I felt that he was open and ready and, and probably had been ready before I was, is what I was kind of sensing, but because he's gone through such a, massive healing process. So I'm so, so beyond, I mean, it makes me get teary eyed. I'm going to tell you even right now that I'm so beyond excited and proud to introduce my brother, Michael, um, John Michael Hinkle. So hi, how are, I call him Michael. How are you doing, Michael? (laughs) I'm doing good. And it's just so amazing to me to reconnect with you. And uh, I just feel a lot of love and a lot of healing through this. And um, it's just incredible. I really believe God put all this together, you know, it, and uh, it's just amazing. Uh, I, my tissue. I, I know, my <laughs> tissue too. I've got glasses on. I'm going to have to take them off. <laughs> it, it's just been like, I mean, just it's amazing how they, how many similarities we had when we were oh, yeah. sitting there and talking. I mean, we were finishing each other's sentences Yes. And and your experience with how God has been working in your life and and the just the wild, like the wild journeys we've been on, you know, um, me with, you know, picking bad relationships, both with with men and with women and and not knowing how to heal myself and working through all of that. And then I know that that I want you to share your story. So 
why don't we just start at the beginning? Why, how, tell us, tell the listeners, because I talk quite openly about how painful my childhood was and, you know, and I, I, um, I felt very lonely. Um, um, I always say we kind of just raised ourselves. Like there wasn't a lot of guidance, you know, and then, but your experience I think was a little bit deeper than that. So can you share your experience in growing up in our household? Sure. Um, seems like you told a part of my story too, like having bad relationships and, uh, just not being able to figure out things, always making the wrong decisions. And that's kind of just raised myself too. And uh, it's like in my household, uh, like I knew these people were my parents, but I didn't know them. So it's like a house full of strangers, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't really get to know them. I just pretty much just stayed out of their way. Wow. That's so, that's how I felt too. Like we're, like we were raised by strangers. Like we didn't really get to know them. And if you ever asked a question that was beyond the surface, like what's for dinner, it was brushed under the rug. Like you just weren't allowed to ask those questions. No, you know? not at all. And uh, um, I always thought too, that I was adopted, that uh, my wow. real parents were going to show up anytime. And I know when I was young, I used to walk down to the mall and I'd sit there and I'd watch families go by and I'd always say, man, I wish that was my mom and dad, or I wish that was my mom and dad. And I'd wow. just sit there and watch people. And- Gosh, that's, that is just, that's just such a crazy, sad, but a really insightful thing that you shared that because I'm, you know, that people are your parents and that you don't even know them is just a wild thought. What was your earliest memory of feeling disconnected from mom and dad? Well, um, I think I can go back as far as the third grade when I just start remembering things. I'm not sure what happened first, but I can remember uh, uh, going to bed and I can remember feeling like this coldness just sweep over the house. Like I felt, you know, like a cold spirit or something. And then my mom come in and she goes, I'm not going to tuck you in anymore. And then she closed the door. And, uh, you know, and I'm just kind of wondering what was that all about, you know, and I just, you know, you just let it go. I mean, that's just how it was. And, and uh, also another memory, uh, third grade again, and I remember uh, I was always getting picked on. And I remember uh, uh, going to school, Chadbourne or Fremont, and then it's like as soon as I stepped on a playground, everybody turned and looked at me. Yeah, uh, just like Alfred Hitchcock, the birds, when they, they step outside, all the birds look at them and start attacking them. And that's what happened. The whole playground was chasing me. And I ran so fast from the front of them that I caught up in a circle. I caught up with the rear. Oh my <laughs> and they God. kind of just circled the wagons on me. <laughs> wow. Just yeah. like just feeling like like yeah. lost and alone and like you didn't have anybody on your side, like you didn't have anybody to talk to. Or no. People- no. Yeah, And it seemed like, too, like everywhere I went, I always felt like I wasn't wanted. It could be in a simple, something simple like a grocery store. I get this really strong feeling like they don't want me here, you know, mm-hmm. no matter where I went, just little places like that. So I had a, a lot of very, very low self-esteem. Yeah. And yeah I, so, go ahead, Bailey. Sorry, if you don't mind if I add in, too, because I was I got to sit there and kind of witness you guys. I mean, when we, when you guys met up for dinner, they went, we all went to Piotti's. Um, you guys were talking for hours and it was really beautiful because 
a lot of what Michael is explaining was how my mom would always explain to me her childhood when she was growing up, like how she felt really alone and she felt like she like the black sheep of the family and so I it was just really beautiful because both of you would come together and it was like you guys were this mirror for each other it's like Mm -hmm. oh I what I I you were feeling the same thing and and you both went it's really interesting because you guys went on on different paths for a little while Mm -hmm. but you almost went on the same path of healing and, and this beautiful, and it strengthened your connection to God, but it's, you know, it was so fascinating for me to see. And I felt so honored to see, because we have so many people that come to the retreats or come into our work. And there's a huge amount of generational healing going on right now, a huge amount. And a lot of people that had similar childhoods to that, to what you guys are explaining. And so that's why you know, bringing in an aspect of like some with you, who's one of our, the leaders of the retreats and to actually have that generational healing going on face to face. And the amount of healing that I saw within four hours was just so beautiful. You guys both walked away with like lighter in a way. And, and it was, and you're, I just remember you explaining, Michael, your connection to God and how your connection to God really got you, you through. Um, and would you, do you remember when you first started kind of feeling that connection when you were younger? I, I do. Uh, it was uh, actually, it was funny. It was at like a dentist office. They had these highlight books that yeah. had pictures of colors in them and uh, to show mm-hmm. pictures of Jesus with the kids around them. And I love when I opened it up, I felt like this peace just wash over me. And that's like uh, probably like the first time right there. So, yeah, it's like God was always with me, even Mm -hmm. though, you know, at that time we weren't going to church or nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just he just had his hand on me the whole time. Yeah, it's just amazing. You know what I remember, too, is that. I, you and I took, like, I felt like it was the black sheep. And I think you also felt like you were the black sheep. You, and how I did it was that I did every, like, I did everything to keep the attention off of me. Like I, I did all the things in school. I didn't want to be at home that much. So any activities after school, I was, you know, doing all of these activities that trying to tap dance as fast as I can to be the perfect child so that I wouldn't have any attention on me. And I think yeah. you, you did the opposite. Like yeah. you, you kind of, you were trying to find people who accepted you. Can you share more about that? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. You know, and I think uh, one of the things that stood out to me later on is that a firstborn and only son, they usually have some pull in the family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so I didn't yes. quite get that, but I was always looking for a, a family somewhere. And, yeah. you know, I got involved in a little gang back then, uh, uh, Charlie's Cobras in Stockton. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it seemed like I was always looking for a family somewhere, but uh, it was oftentimes the wrong family. But, uh, you know, and uh, just like I was always searching where I could be accepted. You know, yeah. I, could, I could remember uh, wanting to be a, a good person, but I just didn't know how to be that. Yeah. Because you know, when you raise yourself, you got to figure things out on your own. And you're going to make so many mistakes. You know, nobody's so there true. to example or tell you how to live and what to do and how to take care of yourself and, you know, how to save money, this or that. I wasn't taught any of that. So I had to learn by trial and error. 
and mostly error. <laughs> yeah, I can so relate to everything you said. The whole reason why I developed Mama Boot Camp, which was a tribe of women, was so I could have a family, Michael. Yeah, yeah, I That's totally get that. Wild. That's yeah. just wild that you felt the same way. Yeah. And then, then your journey, because I then I went, I went. I moved out when I was 16. I got the heck out of Dodge. I was yeah. like, I was working at Buttercup Pantry Restaurant. And then I moved into the big town of Stockton. And that's when my my acting out and my chaos really happened for me. I started, you know, doing a lot of things that um, to hurt myself on a yeah. multiple, multiple levels, like friendships, bad girlfriends, all kinds of things, because I didn't have any boundaries. I didn't know I wasn't ever yeah. taught any of that. And so... And so for you, you went, you ended up in the Marines. Tell us how you got in the in Marines and, and tell us about that journey. Um, well, I, I got in a lot of trouble back then. And so I went before a judge and he told me you're going to prison or you're going into the Marine Corps. Back then the Marine Corps took, took all the bandits. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I weighed it over my head. Well, I'll get a paycheck with the Marines and <laughs> I will get nothing in jail. So uh, so I said, okay. And that's how I got in. Yeah. And so you ended up in the Marines. And then the other thing that I think that are, because this is just, just a, such a wild journey, how God has taken us all of these wild places. You ended up in Vietnam. Yes. Yes. Uh, I was part of a small unit. Uh, I was, you know, when I was young, I had a, a lot of natural strength and a lot of endurance. So I was a good fit, uh, I was in a force recon unit and we're small and uh, uh, I was, I was just very good. It was a perfect fit for me. And even though I made it through that, I still didn't feel like, uh, like it's enough. I still felt uh, still with a low self-esteem and all that stuff. But, um, but I survived it and uh, came back home. Yeah. And you came back home and you had, um, I remember you telling us, because I want to share this with everybody because I'm so, so stinking proud of you. Oh, Are you kidding you. me? Because at 60 years old, you yeah. decide to go back to college. Yes. And, and at, to University of Pacific, it's not like you went to some little, little boho, little place that was going to be easy on you. I mean, you didn't, you said you didn't even know how to work on a laptop. Like it was just yeah. like you hadn't, you hadn't done any of that. Like that wasn't part of your training so then you go into college and they're like so tell us a little bit about that and then I want to talk about something else too but I wanted to, wanted you to share that part because that's like what made you want to do that oh uh, well you know uh, the past few years before I retired I had a strong desire to learn like this high school was just a uh, you know just a, a haze for me but I just was so curious I got a very analytical mind I guess I was just curious about things and I wanted to learn about stuff you know that i missed in high school and, and so there was a program that came up for older veterans uh called vrap and then uh it, it was a, just a year program so i said oh sure so i i did that and halfway through i switched to uh uh there's a program for disabled vets i'm a, I'm a disabled vet so I switched on that and uh, they paid for everything, my books and all that stuff. But the college, I, I didn't know anything about college. And so when I first went in there, they said, uh, I said, OK, I want some classes. And they go, what's your major? And I didn't know what the heck they're talking about. You know, I go, what's that? Well, you need a major. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's just crazy. And you didn't give up. 
So what did no. you tell him? What did you say your major was? Well, I went, uh, I went up to the, they have a, on campus, they have a, a, a veterans organization there, student veterans organization. So I went up and talked to uh, the lady running it. And she sent me to uh, um, a, a guy downstairs that uh, he retired from uh, college, but he came back to help veterans. So mm -hmm. I talked with him and Ron Tingles, that's his name. And I talked with him and then I had my classes in like an hour because the counselors wouldn't help me at all. So I picked a major, which I had no clue what that was. So, <laughs> but he helped me out. He got me started and uh, he was amazing. He'd come look for me on campus all the time and see wow. how I'm doing. Yeah, they really looked after me there. I mean, they, they It's were like always, God puts you in the right place. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just an incredible experience for me. And then I stayed with the student veteran groups and uh, hung out with them and and I got to meet a lot of the young veterans coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq and, and finding about all these different programs they have for veterans now. And uh, they always said they were thankful to us uh, guys in my time because we paved the way for them. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't have nothing coming back and now they got all, everything. So, yeah. Just wow. Yeah. That's so amazing. And you, so you went, because this is, I just want everybody to understand this. So you, you graduated with your bachelor's degree. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and how old, how old were you when you graduated? Oh, geez. Uh, 60 something. Um, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably 60. I think you were 66 or 67. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. I, that's just, so anybody on here who's listening, who says that I'm too old to do this, or I'm too old to do that. Think of Michael. And what yeah. he did in his 60s, went to University of Pacific. He didn't go, he, which would have been easier, I think, for you to go from a junior college and then transfer. But you were like, no, I'm going for the big guns. I'm going to get an for <laughs> University uh, of Pacific and, and go and, and get my degree. And I'm just like, I just am so blown away by that, about the amount of tenacity it took for you, the amount of ability for you to grow, to even... Like, like when you were going there, what's my major? Like you had to learn everything from the very, very bottom. Of, you didn't know yes. anything. No, 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 and, nothing. It was, uh, the technology was hard, but I, I had to pick it up real fast. Yeah. And you did tell me a story in, in the, you know, if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, but I just was like really blown away by the added layer of um, adversity that you had to go through in order to get your degree. But I remember you saying when you were walking across the lawn at, on the campus, because of your experience in Vietnam and the <clears throat> trauma that you've been through, you you had a flashback like, oh my gosh, I've got to cover my tracks. Do you remember telling me that? Oh, yes, yes. And uh, I found out later that this is common with uh, uh, veterans that retire because the work, uh, hard work I did and everything kept everything at bay. And then when you retire, all these things you put in boxes and store away, they start popping up. Could be sights, sounds or everything. And so when I was walking across the grass, all of a sudden I was halfway there, I realized that it was frosty that morning. And so I go, I froze. I go, man, I just left a trail. And I looked back and sure enough, you could see my footprints. And so I started to panic and uh, everything going through my head. Do I have time to sweep off the trail? Well, there's nothing here to sweep it off with. It's very clean. Should I backtrack it, make a false trail someplace else? Or should I just run and get out of here? I close everyone's, all the enemy was close to me. And 
you know, you get all these things grow through your head. And uh, because when I was there, you had to be invisible to work with a small team and you had to slip in and slip out of areas with nobody be, being able to see it. They call those jungle phantoms back then. Because we were just uh, wow. in and out. Quiet. Yeah. Wow. That's just like all the layers of things that you've had to overcome. It's like, it just shows what kind of human you are. I mean, it's just so impressive. It really is. And I, um, and the amount of, are you also said a couple, you've said so many things, Bailey and I have been quoting you. Absolutely. He, he, I want you to know. He's my favorite is how you explain, because I, you know, I just find you so inspiring because for all, like what my mom was just explaining, all the adversity that you've moved through, all of the things in this life that may have shut you down, you didn't let it, let you become bitter, you know, and you, you actually took it and you created gold from a, from a, something that most people would let take them down. And that just, again, shows what you came into this world to do and, and what you came into this world to inspire. But what you said was that, you know, it was like, you'd go off track for a while in life and then God would pick you up like a toddler. We've quoted that so much lately. And it's just so also like, again, the synchronicities between both of you, it was like, God God found both of you in his own ways because my mom, when she was in her twenties and really struggling and her prayer became, um, I'm an open channel for divine ideas to flow through me. And she created this whole prayer around God connecting him with God. And then you found God came into your life when you needed it too. When you guys were both feeling super Mm -hmm. alone and, and it was like, you guys both went on these windy paths, like you were explaining, but then came back to meet at the top and you both have done such massive work, you know, and and really drew a lot of lines in the sand in that generational, that generational trauma in a sense um, that was passed down through so many of your guys's who knows how long that was passed down for. Yeah. Cause we even, I even think Michael about our mom and, um, and her, and her sister and her brother, they didn't talk like we were taught we were taught that you don't have like relationships with we didn't weren't taught to how how to have relationships and and unfortunately we have two sisters that you know that we don't have a relationship with because we weren't taught and there was so much trauma that happened that i think that it that it's really it was for me and i'm not speaking for you for me it's been really challenging to reconnect with both of them because they're mindset is completely different than mine but it was it, so that's another reason why it's been such I mean it just makes me get choked up because it's such a relief to know that I have a brother that I have yeah. you in my life and I'm just Always. so grateful yeah. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere anymore I'm gonna be like a little pit yeah. on your ankle <laughs> <laughs> your little sister your little sister biting your ankle you know but it, but so that I just think that that is such a beautiful thing because I and I've been told this and I really think this is true Michael is that when you heal and I heal we help generations forward like Bailey's now you know you're gonna have to go through that your your other your two nephews Levi and Hunter are not gonna have to go through that and we actually heal generations behind us so I feel like 
mom and dad have both passed. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully they're getting some healing from us meeting and us healing and, you know, but moving, but moving forward is I still have hard feelings towards them, you know, so I need to do a little bit more work about releasing that because that was, you know, no child should have to go through what we went through. No, that's for sure. You know? Yeah. yeah. You know, so, um, so you said a couple of things that I thought was so fascinating because I get messages from God too. Yeah. And, and, and I get messages like you need to tell this person this, or you yeah. need to tell this person this. And I remember you said this and it was so, it was funny. You go, you go, God would tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, that woman over there, I need you to go and say this to her. And you'd go, but I don't, you would say, I don't want to, I don't want to go. I don't want to go over and talk to this stranger. Oh, yeah. And you would say no. And then he would just be persistent with you and you would end up going over. So can you tell me, when did that start happening for you? Uh, that happened. Uh, like I just started doing a part-time job working security at a grocery store in Waterford. And uh, I'd feel like God say something to me, like, you know, go over, you need to talk to this girl and tell her. Uh, it was just basic. Uh, uh, and I was so nervous, you know, and, and I go up to her and I, and well, first I, after he, I kept saying no, then I find him, okay. And so I went all over the grocery store looking for her and uh, shoot, she's gone. <laughs> and, and then I go outside and she's sitting in her car, but I have my security uniform. I'm not going to go up and tap on her window. <laughs> so, yeah. And scare yeah. her, scare her. Cause you're very, you guys can't see my brother, but he also loves health and fitness and he's a big buffed guy. Yeah. So yeah. So it's scare him. <laughs> yeah. and, and then I just prayed that I would see her the next day. And sure enough, she came in. And so I walked over to her and I go, okay, this is going to sound weird. But <laughs> I started off with that. And then uh, I, I go, uh, God just wants me to tell you that he loves you. He's always there for you. and It'll give you the peace you're looking for. And so, yeah. That's wow. what I told. Him. Yeah, and then another thing too. God told me to go talk to him. I was listening to him talk at the checkout. Okay, okay. And God kept telling me to talk to him. I kept saying no. And finally, I got there. He had a motorcycle outside. He's getting ready to get on it. And I said, "Are you a veteran?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm a Marine." I go, "Okay." And then I started sharing with him uh, about our motorcycle club. We're faith based, and we're all veterans. And uh, we get involved in community and this and that. And he goes, man, that's what I'm looking for. So now he's prospecting for the club and uh, getting to know him. And it's just incredible. Like God told me, go talk to this guy and hear all this is the, you know, what he's looking for too. So, um, yeah. So that so, was amazing. So tell us about your, your faith-based Harley club, because that's pretty impressive. Yeah, we started out uh, actually the, uh, me and this other guy started it up uh, from college. He was returning from uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. And we started out just being a riding club for veterans. And then uh, we became more mission oriented. He ended up dying in a motorcycle wreck. Uh, mm. It's really sad. This guy changed my life too. He was, uh, he just come into my life and just broke down the walls and maybe proud to be a Marine again. Mm, and, wow. uh, yeah, he was a really good person. And uh, mm. then when he died, uh, we started uh, changing the mission a little bit. And uh, then my other friend, he returned from uh, Iraq, multiple tours. 
and uh, we started becoming a faith-based mm. and uh, he was a suicide survivor too, tried to kill himself three times and the gun jammed mm. every time. And uh, he wow. got blown up in Iraq in a tank and uh, but now he's like the president of our club and, and we're just going out reaching communities and praying in each town and uh, we're helping with suicides of uh, people about suicide awareness and mm. uh, we're doing a lot of stuff working with veterans and uh, Jessica's house they have that Modesto where kids uh, are going they go in these rooms different rooms and they're kids that lost their parents through drugs or suicide and all that stuff so we get involved with quite a bit with rescue missions and uh, everything. So yeah, we're out there everywhere. That's amazing. And so this guy, I'm gonna back up a minute because sure. you you were, you have been, you are a Vietnam vet. And when, and so you said that this guy broke down your walls The and, and he, what was his name so we can honor his name? What was the guy's name who passed away, who got oh, in yeah. it? Benny Aguilera. And okay. he did eight years in the Marines and uh, he was wow. incredible. Man, he was incredible. Wherever he went, uh, man, he left an impression on you, whether you knew him for five minutes or five years. And he went with me to my orientation at uh, um, UOP. And he was so, he told me, John, he goes, I'm so excited. I couldn't even sleep last night. I tossed <laughs> and turned like, man, who does that? And then we go to the UOP and he's, Typical Benny fashion. He's going around meeting everybody and taking pictures. And, <laughs> and the next day I come back to UOP. It's like a two-day event. Everybody's asking me where Benny is. <laughs> so, well, I'm, I'm the student. And they go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> they even the guy, they, yeah, even they the guy in the cafeteria serving food was asking, where, hey, where's Benny? Like oh he was just my. that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, And he was one that God dropped into your lap to help you break down your walls because you were not proud of being a Marine. No, no. And he, and he was just incredible. And when he came, I remember his mom telling me, he told his mom, he goes, you know, I gave him a hug today and I don't think he liked it, but you know what? <laughs> I'm going to give him a hug tomorrow too. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about you. Yes, he was. Oh, yeah. Boy, yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. That's yeah. so awesome how that happens. And so, I said something to you and you said you didn't like it when people would say this. So I'm going to ask you this question so we can like educate people as well is that you said, you go, I don't, you said you didn't like it when people would say to you, thank you for your service. Yeah. That's a common phrase. Now it's it, to me, it just sounds kind of hollow and it's a lot of years too late for me. Yeah. It's like what they say to the Iraq and Afghanistan veterans, you know, they, uh, they got a different welcoming than we did. You yeah. Know, they, yeah, they trained it as unit, deployed as unit, came back as a unit. It was a lot different for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you just, you just home. So. so would you, would you say, what would you like people to say to you? Would you rather them just say hi? I'm nice to meet you and leave that out. Something that nobody's ever said, and like, uh, you know, what, what branch were you in, and and what did you do? What was your job? Nobody's ever asked that, so it's like they're not really concerned about that. It's just like, I got to say this thing. Thank you. for uh, your Yeah. 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 What brand, what was your job? Yeah, yeah, your, yeah. your job sounds like it was super intense because you were a jungle phantom. So you were front line. Yeah. We were behind the lines out there independently. We worked independently with no support. So oh, wow. we were just a small unit, maybe four to five at a time on a mission. And uh, we had uh 
I, I think you develop so many senses, you know, you're, they get really heightened. Like you could yeah. tell that something's wrong here or something's out of place or yeah. you can just feel things. And um, it kind of stays with you when you leave too. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And everybody, you just uh, communicate like one person, you know, you mm -hmm. know what everybody's thinking, what they're going to do, how you move, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, it's incredible. So, yeah. How long were you, um, how long <coughs> were you there for again? Uh, 13 months. Wow. Intense. Yeah. An intense yeah. wow. 13 months. Yeah. I do remember you kind of, I did talk to you about this at dinner the other day when we were, we were like for five or six hours talking mm -hmm. and laughing and crying and said, I remember, I do remember you coming home and being in your full Marine, yes. um, you know, dress and you were, had the hat on and you were, and you were so proud of yourself and you had this energy about you that, that I hadn't seen. I remember that. But it's yeah. like nobody talks about it. It was the weirdest thing. It's like, it you mean like so, your parents? Yeah, nobody. Yeah. They were like, oh, I'm proud of you. Congratulations. It was, I thought that when I was that age, I remember looking at you. You were standing on the fireplace um, right there in the kitchen in front of the dining room table. And it was just, it just was so strange. I was just like, I don't, I, it, it was very strange childhood and very lonely and I mean we were just kind of like just uh I it's so funny that you and I felt so similar and then although our reaction to it was so different like I just tried to be perfect and you you just you just were trying to find a place where you fit mm -hmm. and yeah. you were both just like I and um and it's so it's so cool because now after all of this time you know, I really have wanted family and, you know, and then to have, be able to reach out to you and have, have you be open to it, um, was a godsend for me to be open for you to be open to wanting to have a relationship with me and me being your sister. And, you know, yeah. it's just like, so like getting to know each other again, it's, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just so, oh, yeah. Well, I feel, I feel real safe with you. So I can, I feel like I can just open up and not uh, have to worry about what I'm saying. You, know, you don't. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. And you're, and you're amazing wife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. What a godsend. She oh, is definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah she, that was, me, she was a gift. She keeps you what? She keeps me in line. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they, yeah. you guys have been married since you were 25 20. years. It's just July. 25 yeah. years wow. yeah. yeah so tell us can you tell us a little bit about that journey because you've had a lot on your plate so oh yeah you, so tell us tell us how you guys met and because she's it's really mm -hmm. everybody always needs one person you know I feel like if you have one person that God gives you one person on this planet then you're you have an, a chance and yeah. I, I feel like she was your one for a long yeah. time oh definitely Definitely. God really brought us together. Um, it's incredible because we were both, uh, my recovery story, it's a long one, probably maybe part two, but, <laughs> but uh, she also, her family did an intervention with her. And so they're trying to find a recovery place for her because she was like a blackout drinker. And every place was closed, but this place up in French camp called Recovery House. And at the same time, I'm thinking, I didn't know anything about it, but it was impressed upon me that I need to make it out to recovery house. And that's where we met. 
you know, and she's all the way from San Luis Obispo and I'm getting there from Stockton and we meet together and uh, we just kind of just clicked right away. And um, like I told you, she, uh, she just knew when she first saw me that uh, she need, she was going to spend the rest of her life with me, you know, and she mm-hmm. or I was going to be in her life, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. So that was incredible. And, um, and did you have that feeling too, or when did you, when did you figure that out? Oh, right. When I saw her. Oh, yeah. you did too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. very cool. How many years have you been clean and sober? Uh, since November 5th, uh, 1996. You know, you know, it's so funny, Michael, is that I've been, I have not, um, I don't drink at all either. Yeah. And I don't, I don't do anything. Like I went to the doctor, I went to the dentist today and he goes, well, what, what medications are you taking? I go, well, multivitamins. I mean, I don't, that's like, you yeah. know, oh, yeah. I don't take anything either. It's so interesting that you and I both don't use any substances. Oh, I, really? I just, yeah. yeah. And, and for me, it was destroying my life. You know, it was destroying my life. My husband came to me one day and he said, and we've been married 17 years. And he said to me, um, he said, I just want my wife back because yeah. I was great. I was drinking way too much. And yeah. he said, just, so I've been clean and sober since 2006, I think. Okay. So yeah. yeah, I don't have like an exact date, you know, cause I, I didn't go like into, I didn't, I just don't remember the, like, it wasn't like, you know, November 5th, that's like, yeah, that's wild. That's amazing. Yeah. And oh, I do. Go ahead. Well, I just want to add that in your guys's family, I remember that alcoholism ran pretty thick in your family. And, and Mm -hmm. I've noticed even within um, my journey with alcohol, I've just never, you know, it's not, I always wake up the next day, just it affects my body so heavily. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that Hunter doesn't really drink that often and, Mm -hmm. and Levi's coming to terms with his relationship. So just that with alcohol. So just that generational, you know, seeing how that's even passed Mm -hmm. on generationally. Mm -hmm. And both of you, I think when both of you made that decision that it just doesn't, it's not serving you Mm -hmm. and maybe subconsciously you guys saw what it did to your parents. Oh, I, I totally feel like I lost my mom and dad to alcohol a hundred percent. I don't, I feel like, I feel like they, but it was just a different generation. Like I remember one time when I went to, um, it was a Saturday morning and I went my, and mom had like a, a glass with ice in it. And it looked like it was like a seven up. And so I went to take a drink of it and it was like 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning and it was a highball. So it was a whiskey seven. And I was like, and I started getting, and she, I started gagging and she goes, well, it's noon somewhere. And I just, I just remember, wow, that's and laughing about her daughter, you know, who I think it must've been like, I just was like little, like seven or eight when that happened. And I just, so I just think that, um, you know, they do call it spirits for a reason. And I think that like, look at all the good work that you're doing, Michael, you're all the people you're helping with Vietnam vets. And you're talking about generational healing. We're talking about it right now, generational healing. And you're have this great relationship with your wife. I mean, it's just, it's, it's awesome to be around people who really love their partner mm-hmm. and, um, and see it and be in that and feel it. And I think that if I do believe that there is a dark side too, there's God and then there's a dark side. And when you're such a good person, 
you know, that God wants to take you, I mean, that God wants to protect you and the dark side wants to take you out. And one of the ways he can take you out easily, that dark side can take you out is with alcohol or drugs, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's good to see, like, you're just so wholesome. And, and so tell us, you're, so how old are you? Do you know how old you are now? What's that? How old are you now, Michael? Um, I think 69. I get confused with dates. And I stuff. know. I know. Yeah. 60. So tell, tell, tell everybody on here who has excuses about their workouts. Tell them what you did this morning. I'll say that again, please. Tell, tell everybody on here who, who has excuses about exercising. Oh they, yeah. They're too old. They're too tired. They're too this. They're too that. Tell oh. us what you did this morning. Oh, geez. Oh yeah. I went and worked out. Well, I get up at five automatically every day. And I always tell people uh, uh, that I used to commute to the Bay Area. I'd get up at three in the morning. I'd go to the gym at four and I'd work out and head straight to the job site. But it's either do it then or not at all. So there's no excuse uh, people out there. For, <laughs> not doing it. It's just consistency, dedication, desire, discipline. And uh, you'll never regret it. I see too many people going into retirement with all kinds of health issues. And, you know, and I always think, man, if they did what I did, would they be there on that walker right now? You know, that always goes through my head. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's been incredible. Yeah. And I, I, I just want to add to, this is kind of a, such a side note, but I think it's so beautiful to watch you speak so freely about your journey and how it affected you. Like that feeling of, um, of really maybe feeling alone or misunderstood or, you know, and I, I think especially as specifically a male, like as a man that could feel even more isolating because there's this huge emphasis on, on, and it's, and it's kind of disintegrating a little bit now, but men, especially during that time were meant to be like strong and not, and if they explain their emotions then it's, it's weak, but you're, I think it's just so important for anybody that's listening. That's, you know, an, a man or has a son or has a husband or some sort of, you know, male figure in their life, their dad, how important it is and how liberating, liberating it is and how not weak it is, um, to really express how things have affected you and what you've had to move through. Because the more that you share that story openly and freely now, which maybe that hasn't always been the case, um, It, it gives others the permission to, to do the same and to break free of like what it feels like is like shackles, mm-hmm. you know, around that and that stuffing. And so when you're, you're like a medicine man for people mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. you know, even uh, the people within your club or the people that you go up to with, um, when God nudges or pokes you on the shoulder or, mm-hmm. or co- having like the bravery to come on to here with us and mm-hmm. share your story. I mean, it's just so healing right now for so many, um, yeah, just specifically men. I know with Levi, my brother, um, Mm -hmm. and Hunter, they've really struggled with that and feeling like alone emotionally or feeling like, like there's parts of them that they wish they could shove away, but it's like, that's all you, that's all of who you are. And the, the circumstances that happened in your life, um, to, when you speak about them, it, it, it allows them not to hold so much power over you. And I think that's what I really took away from your guys's meeting was that it was like, you guys were like word vomiting to each other, like, <laughs> like because it, and, like, and how, 
how amazing that was. Like I could just see the impact because it was like finally a safe place to feel seen, you know, and that's the beauty between both of you guys. And that's why I'm just so, you know, inspired by both of you guys, because you guys had these stories and you've turned it into your Mm -hmm. medicine, you know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people, um, they don't have, whether it's the will or the strength or the guidance to do that. And you guys just trusted that beautiful connection you had with source mm-hmm. and you let that guide you. So I just wanted to tap into that really quick. Like for anybody that's listening, that has male, um, a male presence in their life, just to, just to hold space for their concerns as well, or see how they're like, have been emotionally affected by things in the past and, and, and honor that and hold compassion for that. And maybe it'll help you find a little bit more understanding for that healthy masculinity. Does that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, I can remember when I went to uh, my dad's funeral and I wasn't going to go, but my Carolyn Tuck said, you, you're going to regret it if you don't go. So I didn't know if I would or not, but I'll go. And then uh, some relatives, I guess of ours, I don't know any of them, but they come out from Minnesota and they said their name was Hinkle. So I go, oh, says, I'm a Hinkle too. I'm the son. I guess we're related. And they just looked at me and didn't say anything. I said, oh yeah, we're related. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the strangest thing? I, that's where I, that's where I met Carolyn was at, at dad's funeral. That's okay. where I, and I really, she left a really good impression. Mm. She left a strong impression for me. Yeah. You know, you know, the impression I got from her, Michael, is that she was protecting you. She was super protective over you. And I, I remember feeling like I'm so glad he has her. I was yeah. feeling like that. Huh. And yeah. I felt like she had your back. Like I was huh. like, I was grateful that she had. Your I didn't back. see that. Cause I was standing way out away from everybody just watching. And then I remember Christine's husband saying, crying, go, Oh, he's my best friend. And I'm just rolling my eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. Like what the heck? Like what? He didn't have a relationship with, with his yeah. own son. And you know, um, I wanted want to tell you too is that for me to sit with you and have dinner with you and for you to look me in the eye and tell me about your experience and your experience was was a, very similar to my experience really um, helped me move forward and heal. It was like I got to share with you and yeah. you got to feel it, not just see it, but you got to you actually experienced it too. Yeah. So it's like it was very validating. For me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never knew, you know, I never knew what everybody else was feeling or what they went through. Yeah. I just knew what I was going through and yeah. I couldn't really figure it out till later, you know, yeah. it didn't make any sense. So then yeah, you it was confusing. It yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It was super confusing. I remember just being super confused about it. And, you know, it, what Bailey said was so amazing. What she said about you're now you're, you, you are, this all the things you went through is actually medicine for other people who have gone who are going through that like we have a story to tell about how we moved through it and how we're healing and here we are you know we get to have a relationship i'm so yeah. grateful that i have a brother my yeah. big brother i have my <laughs> big brother you know it's so awesome oh yeah i've always wanted my big brother and you're right here you know it's just i yeah. can't even tell you how um how excited I am and happy yeah. about it. And, um, and yeah. I, you know, I want more of it. I want more, yeah. of, you know, more time with my brother. And, yeah. so, and so, um, the last question is, okay. that, is that 
we, you know, you have used a lot of different things because gosh, the, um, have having recovery from substance abuse, alcohol and drugs, yeah. you know, uh, a very, um, very chaotic, hard childhood. Um, and then to go into the Marines and be a Vietnam vet and all the things, all the layers of things. And here you are and you're helping other people and you, you keep growing and you're, close to 70 and you're still growing and you don't look like you're 70. I mean, you're so buff. You can probably pick up, you should see him, you guys. He is strong and buff. It's like, it's amazing. And, and um, to, so what would you say were some tools that you could share that were really helped you heal? Well, I think uh, looking back, I just know that God protected my heart because I could be really bitter over everything. And uh, I never did. I, I I really believe that God did that to protect mm -hmm. my heart. From, and I also believe that I, I was, he let me go through all these things so I could use the, my experiences to help others. And, uh, you know, cause I got a testimony now and, uh, I could relate to people from different walks to veterans, to homeless people, to alcoholics, you know, I've got a lot of uh, experience that I can tell them what I went through and then what I did to get out of that. And that, it, it also helps me too, you know, when you share your story and your testimony and um, it gives the other person hope that they, they too. Uh, I, I remember the, the first thing that they told me in recovery is I didn't have to live the way I was living. And that was a simple statement, but it was so profound to me. Like I really hung on to that. I said, oh, because I didn't know how to live any other way. I was just so used to things going wrong in my life. I just thought that's the way it was. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't tie it into anything. And yeah. uh, so... I, I, God just, and then even when I, when God got a hold of me, there was still a lot of work for him to do. He had to chip away at a lot of things. The things uh, that I used to call survival skills, I found out later they're character defects. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so, you know, because I wouldn't talk to anybody. I, I had a three-word vocabulary, yes, no, and a grunt. Mm -hmm. You know, I figured I won't bother you, and you won't bother me, and we'll get along just fine. But that's not a way to live. Yeah. You know? And uh, Benny changed that at school. My friend Benny, the wow. other week, yeah, he come in and uh, and Carolyn was so worried after he died that I was going to go back to that way of living. But once I was on the other side of that, I didn't want to go back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We always say once you once you know, you can't unknow. Yeah, you know well, once that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Once you experience that side of you, and you're like, oh, this yeah. feels so much freer than you. you yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Benny was an angel for you. For oh, sure. Benny was an angel. He definitely yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I think too, uh, uh, you know, I was so uh, worried about, you know, cause uh, the way you feel, it's hard to unchange that the way you grow up and uh, self-esteem and all that stuff. And mm. it seems like you could try to be the best person you can, but inside you're still feeling like it's not enough, you know? So um, that's why I would isolate myself too, because of my experiences in Vietnam. And also because of my experience of growing up, you just, uh, push people away, build these walls up and you'll be protected. But it's, uh, it's not a good way to live at all. So, yeah. you know, do you I just feel, out there. Do you feel like you've healed through that? Do you feel whole, more whole now, or do you feel whole? I don't feel all the way whole, but I'm a, I'm a lot better than where I was, you know, I'm yeah. not where I should be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be, you yeah. know? And, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's, a, it's a continuing process for me. And uh, I'm seeing a psychiatrist through the Veterans uh, Administration. So and 
yeah, and then I got help from my club brothers and uh, mm -hmm. church has been amazing. We go to a great church and the pastor, mm -hmm. and uh, it seemed like I got a lot of people looking out for me. So that's so community. Yeah. 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 Now you got me too. I love you. <laughs> and me. <laughs> and you and your niece. <laughs> so we love you. I love you. I'm so yeah. grateful that um, I have my big brother back. I'm yeah. so grateful that our journey is on yeah. the same, that we're on the same path. We're on the same highway, yeah. you know, and i um, grateful to God for bringing us back together. Oh, definitely. And, yeah. And um, yeah, we might have a part two here, folks. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the wisdom from Michael. And so thank you for coming on our podcast. I know oh. Bailey and I've been looking forward to this afternoon to be sharing the, all of the wisdom that you've shared with everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, I just love you guys so much. And mm. I'm just so appreciative that you're in my life. And you know, out of all that chaos, I, I, I finally got a sister. Yeah. You know, uh, and I feel I'm, the and same. A beautiful daughter, uh, just like you. <laughs> oh, thank yeah. you. I love her. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. And then okay. everybody, so we were just wanted to share all these amazing mm -hmm. tips and tools. And, you know, if you ever think that, gosh, you can't move forward, you can't heal, that it was just too much, just listen to this podcast again and you're going to find hope and inspiration and maybe just a, something that you'll take away that'll help you move forward so we're we're grateful you hear and that you're here listening to bailey and i and my brother michael and and we will talk to you next week we will oh. talk to you guys next week thank you everybody and thank oh. you michael for being oh, here God. i love you guys so much love uh, you love you love you